Hello from the East Coast to the West Coast and to listeners around the world. Welcome to the Truth Seekers Radio Show. I'm your host, Angeline Marie. Thanks for taking the time to join us. We're broadcasting on Liberty Works Radio Network at libertyworksradionetwork.com. And you can hear our program rebroadcast on Red State Talk Radio at redstatetalkradio.com. And you can check their website for broadcast days and times. Also, you can learn more about our show and find podcasts posted at truthseekersradioshow.com. Today, my guests are James and Joanne Moriarty, and we will be discussing the truth about what really happened in Libya. The Moriartys were doing business in Libya since January 2007, and they booked a huge amount of business in Libya from 2007 to 2011. So they actively began to build a production facility to fulfill contracts for their business when the so-called Libyan revolution began in February 2011. Today, they're going to share their account of the events and the knowledge they gained regarding war crimes that were committed by NATO upon the innocent people of Libya. So if you'll help me, welcome James and Joanne Moriarty. How are you doing today? Great. Doing great. Thank, Thank you, you so much for having us on. We appreciate you taking the time to, to hear our story, and hopefully the your audience will, will garner some information that will help them in in their decision processes about who we put in government here and and how we look at the way that our government's been acting in the past and hopefully get back to a, to a country as we were founded. Very good point, James, and thank you for taking the time, both of you today, for speaking with me. So let's start at the beginning. Can you start by telling the listeners just how did the story begin? Why you, Why were you in Libya and how did you find things to be when you got there? Well, you know the the thing we obviously Libya was a was a closed shop. We didn't really know much about Libya. The only thing we we knew is that there oil we we make proprietary products to rejuvenate oil wells and clean up pipelines and sludge pits and chicken fat and PCBs and and Libya's oil production had gone from 3.7 million barrels a day down to 1.1 million barrels a day over the 38 years that they were embargoed. And uh, our products would be perfect for rejuvenating a bunch of those depleted wells. And uh, we looked at Libya as, a, as an opportunity for our business. And when we went there, we had no preconceived conditions about Libya except Gaddafi was crazy and the, the country was a radical place and maybe it was someplace we could do business and when we got there we found that all of our initial information was 100 percent incorrect and uh, we had taken a, a team of security people in there with us we planned to be there five days after two days i sent all the security folks home because libya was such a calm pleasant place you couldn't imagine that this was the place we thought it was I bought a bushel basket of head scars for Joanne to, to cover up with. She didn't need those. Women had been emancipated there. The streets were, were clean. The people were friendly. We got a high sign from everybody. They were so glad that we were Americans in their country. Could they help us, uh, et cetera? And uh, our five-day stay was requested to be extended by a bunch of the government officials because they wanted to know about business outside of Libya. And we were the first non-government-sponsored company to go into Libya. The treaty was signed in 2006. We arrived there on January 1st, 2007. 
Joanne, tell them what you found about Libya. Well, one thing you have to understand about Libya is that there's a huge disinformation machine that, that has been putting out false information about Libya for many, many years. So when we arrived, we were shocked to learn that not only was Libya a secure country, but they were uh, the people were happy there and the, the economy was booming there. Women had been emancipated since 1970s when Gaddafi emancipated them because Gaddafi was not a radical Islamist. In fact, he hated them, and they were not allowed in Libya. This is why the 5% or 4%, if you will, of radical Islamists that lived in exile outside of Libya fought in Afghanistan against us and, and all a lot of other places joined hands with NATO to blow up that country because that's the only way they could get back in. But while we were there, we learned that the Libyan people had, uh, when a young couple got married, they got a $46,000 gift from the government uh, to start their lives. They also got a, a new condominium of about 2,000 square feet uh, at 10% of their salary, whatever their salary was. For 20 years, it became theirs. Uh, all medical was free, and if you couldn't get the medical care you needed in Libya, it was paid for 100% along with your family to travel with you to wherever you needed it. Also, the same was for education. Education was, as as much as your brain could do, you could you got free education in Libya. Uh, and if you didn't get it there, you were you had a fully paid education outside of your choice, where your choice is. Was. Along with a stipend, we knew a young man who was getting his doctorate in England. He had a wife and four kids. His monthly stipend on top of fees, tuition, books, et cetera, was 4,950 pounds. That was over $7,500 a month. Um, the Libyan uh, pay scale was the highest in Africa at $15,800 a year. That was higher than India, higher than China. Uh, gasoline cost 44 cents a gallon. The government sub, uh, subordinated the cost of fuel to the tune of $800 million a year so everybody in Libya got cheap gas. Your first car cost you uh, half of dealer invoice. All utilities were paid forever. That's uh, electricity, gas, uh, sewer, etc. were always paid. There was no tax. No tax on anything. Uh, Libya spent about 49% of the money it took in uh, supporting the government. The rest of the money was partici participated out helping the people and building the country. So uh, it was a secular country as well. Uh, we met Bishop Martinelli, who was the prelate of the Catholic Church on the first trip in there. He had been in Libya 35 years. All religions were protected in Libya. As long as your religion was based on a book, the government protected you. His doors were left open to his, his rectory. The church doors were left open. He was absolutely protected as well as other churches. So everything we heard about Libya just was not true. And when they asked us to stay over, we agreed. Uh, we met with a different minister every night for about 10 days. Uh, finally, they brought in the reservoir engineer from the National Oil Company. We demonstrated what our product had been, did. They had been studying it for two weeks. We signed a contract on the first trip in there to treat 2,500 wells with our product. These were monster wells. It would have been about a billion dollars worth of our products. So uh, that's the kind of success nobody hopes to get in a first trip any place. Halliburton, Schlumberger, all the big guys could never have done that volume of business as we did on the first trip in. So obviously we were proactive to to see that Libya um, was a place we could do a lot of business. And when NATO started blowing the country up, we knew it was not a popular uprising because the people in Libya were happy. And um, 
we tried to contact the government officials here to tell them how wrong-footed we were in Libya because we were supporting al-Qaeda. Uh, the people in Libya that we had become to know very, very well over the five years we were there, they said these are hard people that are coming into the country. Libya was open to any Arab or any Muslim without a visa. And they said these guys are bearded. They're real hard. Uh, they pick up any weapon. They know how to use it. They can fickle, fix a weapon, even the electronic weapons that uh, Libya had, had in, inoperative for many, many years, they fixed those things and were fighting and were turning them on the, on the military and on the police and everybody. Uh, the Libyan, uh, the, the Arab Spring was not a voluntary activity. It was a wag the dog. The attack or the destruction of Libya had been planned many, many years in advance. In fact, war games were conducted by France and England with, with the United States being an observer in, in 2010 that's before any thought of an Arab Spring, and they defined the number of ships that would be going into the Mediterranean. They would uh, organize a no-fly zone. All these activities were going to begin on March the 17th. They actually began on February 17th, but planned years in advance. And that information is defined in a in a long interview with Dennis Kucinich that incidentally is available on the on the DVD we sell through our site. And we'd encourage all your folks to go to to uh, our website, www.LibyanWarTheTruth.com. That's LibyanWarTheTruth.com. They'll see information we feed there every day from information we receive from um, expatriates of Libya that are having to live in exile in Egypt and all over. The the, the invasion or the, or the blow-up of Libya by the U.S., U.N. and NATO – uh, was coordinated and executed for really four reasons. The first one was Gaddafi had organized the African Bank, and that was a gold-backed dinar for the continent of Africa. All the Arab countries had signed up as members. Half of um, Africa had signed up. That would have destroyed the toilet paper bankers, the Federal Reserve, the Rothschild Group that own all the central banks. They would have been out of business if there had been a a world-class currency that was gold-backed instead of the fiat toilet paper currency that we're stuck with. Mm -hmm. The second thing was the United States was bound and determined to have a war with China one day, and they want to keep China away from the natural resources of Africa. So the United States formed AFRICOM, which is the military control of Africa by the United States. Libya, South Africa, and several other countries said they would not join. So the United States was ready to blow up Libya so that they could affect AFRICOM. Uh, the next thing was uh, Lockerbie and other uh, broken treaties. Um, Gaddafi had stepped down out of power in 2006 as required by the treaty between Condoleezza Rice and Libya. And in his spare time, he took all the old broken treaties of all the imperialist countries that had gone into Africa, and he, he made a class action suit for uh, the African Union against the European countries and the United States the, the total of that lawsuit was $7 trillion, and as the attorney said, it had legs. The fourth reason was that um, 15 years ago, or now it's been 18, 19 years ago, the French and the British organized a, a uh, satellite for telephone communications in Africa, and they charged – the satellite was worth about $400 million. They charged the African countries $500 million up front every year to use the system – plus a very high per minute cost. Uh, the African Union had, a, had, a, had applied to the uh, World Bank and IMF for funding to put up their own satellite. 
after 14 years of inaction, uh, Libya put up $300 million, $27 million came from the African Development Fund, and $50 million from other sources in Africa. They put up their own satellite, which cost over $500 million a year to France and England. Therefore, uh, they wanted to get rid of that, that uh, uh, lost opportunity they had. So really, Libya was a developing country mm-hmm. that was showing the gateway of Africa to become independent of all the uh, big powers, if you would. And for that reason, Libya had to be blown up so the money guys and the power guys could, again, take complete control of Africa. And it's a real sad, sad state of affairs that the United States is the puppet of these uh, toilet paper bankers and are, are doing these activities. And the CIA is rogue. They, they, the Libyans, there were not enough Libyans that wanted to even throw over the government. So the United States brought in and paid 250,000 mercenaries to go into Libya and fight the war that the Libyans didn't want to didn't want to have any part of, and NATO ex- extended sixty thousand bombing raids into Libya. That's more bombing than was done in the entire World War II. This is for a country of five and a half million people, under the auspices of saving the the or protecting the innocent civilians, the United States killed half a million Libyans, left the country completely destroyed. Two million Libyans living in exile. Another million inside the country homeless. The two million other Libyans are living in a in a state of, of anarchy with al-Qaeda owning the country. And Libya had lots of money. They had over $500 billion of cash and cash equivalent in the Federal Reserve and Euroclear. They had another $39 billion in the country, 179 tons of gold, 2,000 tons of silver. All that has been has been stolen by Qatar, United States, France, England, and over $100, million of, $100 billion, pardon me, is now in the hands of al-Qaeda. Al-Qaeda owns the country. They have told the United States they now own the country. They're no longer taking orders from the United States. And to prove that they own that country, they killed Chris Stevens and have been destroying that country ever since. They have the money. They have the resources of Libya, to, they think, to take, take over the world. Okay, James, if you can hold that thought, listeners, today my guests are James and Joanne Moriarty, and we're discussing the truth about what really happened in Libya, and we'll be back right after this message. Thousands of years, people from the Brazilian rainforest have used the Asahi berry for its amazing health benefits. Now we've learned it's also an amazing weight loss supplement. If you're looking to lose 10, 20, maybe even 50 pounds or more, then the Ultimate Asahi Diet may be your solution. The Ultimate Asahi Diet is loaded with pure organic Asahi extract powder and other great herbs like hudia and green tea. You'll burn fat, control your appetite, and get an energy surge like you've never felt before. If you want to lose 10, 20, maybe even 50 pounds, order the Ultimate Asahi Diet right now. We'll even give you a free bottle when you order two, plus give you free shipping. Call 800-430-4147, If you're struggling to pay or haven't been making your student loan payments, listen carefully to this urgent alert. 
Have you been out of school for 10 or more years and you're still making your student loan payments? Are your student loans past due or even in default? Can't go back to school because of an old student loan problem? Fast Track Student Loans can get your student loans out of default, stop any wage garnishments, stop collection calls, and stop seizure of your tax refund. Give yourself a break. Stop the stress and get your student loan payments down to as little as $25 a month based on what you can afford to pay. One quick 10-minute call could help you solve your student loan problems. So call right now. Not available in all states. Payments may vary based on income. 855-351-FAST. 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 855-351-3278. Welcome back. You're listening to the True Seekers Radio Show. Today, my guests are James and Joanne Moriarty, and we've been discussing the truth about what really happened in Libya. So, James, Joanne, would it be safe to say then that the people were happy with Gaddafi? And what, I mean, when you, when you got there, how were you received by the Libyan people? Well, the Libyan people love Americans. In all the countries we go to, a lot of times you hit a country that is absolutely anti-American, and the people are not real happy to see you. But in Libya, if they saw you on the street and you were an American, they said, oh, we're so happy to see you. Do you like our country? Can we help you in any way? And they'd hug us. They were very, very excited to see Americans in their country. They loved America. But I wanted to say that also um, women in Libya, you know, you you think about Muslim countries and you think about women being oppressed and, and having to cover themselves, their faces and everything. Not in Libya. In Libya, they were emancipated in the 1970s, and they were, in Libya, they were doctors and lawyers and members of the government, members of the military. They did whatever they wanted to do. They did not have to wear burqas. They did not have to wear headscarves. They didn't have to wear anything if they didn't want to. And Gaddafi was highly liked there. Most people don't know that in 2006, the treaty that Condoleezza Rice signed with Libya to open it back to the world he was required, Gaddafi was required to step out of power. And he did that in 2006. At that time, he became what they called their guide or their advisor. They had a People's Congress, they had a Prime Minister, and they had the shadow government of the uh, General Secretariat of the tribes. So they had their own government. Gaddafi was called upon to advise if they wanted him to advise. He had a choice whether to go and advise or not, and they had a choice whether to call him or not. So he was not in charge of the country at the time of the war. This all a huge disinformation machine was out there running, and it was very difficult to, to say anything against it. Um, but I wanted to say that women, if for example, if you were going to get a divorce in Libya, you had a better you got a better result for your divorce in, in Libya than you did in the United States. Women in Libya were protected more than I've ever seen anywhere in my life. Um, they had, they were given, their children were taken care of, their, their life was taken care of, they got, the, they got the house, and if that didn't happen, then the man's family had to, their husband's family had to pay, and if he didn't pay, their tribe had to pay. So I was really impressed with the women in Libya, and they were very strong, very strong. Um, the, the way we got back to Libya, the way we got involved in the war was we, 
who were uh, asked to be on the NGO fact-finding commission. And that commission was uh, a group of, I think it was called the Youth for Against War or Youth for Peace. It's a national, organ a huge worldwide organization of some billions of people. And they invited us to <clears throat> lead an NGO fact-finding commission into Libya because Libya had asked the UN twice to send a fact-finding commission before they started any kind of uh, activity against Libya. That's required by the UN Charter. The UN would not do that. They didn't even respond to Libya. So there was a group worldwide uh, that started this NGO fact-finding commission, and that's how we got back into Libya during the war. We were actually there from uh, on the fact-finding commission from early part of May through the end of August. And the reason that, that uh, the United States and NATO decided to blow up Tripoli like they did is that the tribes of Libya had produced a new constitution for the country, and that was delivered to Sheikh Ali, the uh, leader of all the tribes, on the 17th of August. And a few days later is when uh, the attack helicopters came in off the Mediterranean and started killing every man, woman, and child on the streets. Joanne and I from our hotel saw two of the of the Apache helicopters come in from the Mediterranean, guns blazing. We could hear the third one. They killed more than 1,300 people in the first hour and wounded another 5,000. And um, there was no fighting inside Tripoli. The only thing we ever saw there in the 100 days we were in, trapped inside Tripoli was NATO bombing, uh, NATO bombing, NATO bombing constantly. And they bombed hospitals and schools and power plants and water treatment plants. And all the the activities that are that are not legal under all Geneva Convention, everything the United States was committing on Libya. So those were absolute war crimes. We saw, we witnessed them. We we uh, videotaped ourselves over 200 gigabytes of of atrocities that were committed by NATO and plus, UN at the direction of the United States. Plus they embargoed Tripoli. Yeah. They embargoed fuel, gasoline, food, water, medicine. They embargoed two million people from those things. That's that is so illegal. It's not even you know you you. It's a war crime that nobody's even committed in. Libya is a big country. It's the seventh largest in Africa, seventeenth largest in the world. Very very small population. So they had to be traveling constantly. And of course, all the military vehicles were diesel. The fuel that was kept away from the Libyans was gasoline. So these were attacks on the population of Libya. This is the way the United States CIA acts. They go in and, and bring in these radical Islamist psychopathic murders. They chop people's heads off. They uh, were attacking young women. They raped them in, at will. They would take uh, hordes of young women, put them into a rape house. When they were through with them, one group in Mizrata, they cut their breasts off and wrote nasty words in Arabic on the town square, um, no one was safe. And these these radical Islamists were trained, equipped, and financed by the United States. The the weapons went from the United States to Qatar, Qatar into into uh, Libya, and Chris Stevens was the arms dealer for all of the Al-Qaeda mercenaries in Libya. And um, in the first week of the, of the fighting, the United States delivered 20,000 man-pad rockets you hear some words about a few thousand rockets missing. No, there were 20,000. And uh, the, since the no-fly zone was 100% successful after two and a half days, there was never any need for any shoulder-mounted land-to-air rockets to be delivered to al-Qaeda and Muslim Brotherhood in Libya. Yet they were delivered.
And this is, we think, the real reason that Chris Stevens was killed. He was tasked to get those back because they have such such a, a unique signature that anybody in the world would know if a plane was shot down using one of the American-made rockets. But, you know, Joanne and I have photos of pieces of bombs with serial numbers on them made in the United States. That's against the U.S. laws for any military hardware made in the U.S. to be used in any kind of aggression anywhere in the world. Many, many instances we have photographs of bombs with the serial numbers in place. And uh, actually when Tripoli was overrun, we were captured by al-Qaeda. We were taken to their torture center. We were on their kill list because we had the audacity to have told the Libyan people that they had the right to determine their own government and select their own leaders. And because of that, the al-Qaeda wanted to kill us. We were taken to their torture center. We were there a long time. We were sentenced to be killed and chopped up and burned in the Mahari Hotel. And we, we were actually extracted from that and, and then on to Benghazi and out of Benghazi by three miracles that God delivered us from the hands of al-Qaeda and finally delivers out of Libya. Uh, we had uh, four intelligence agencies that began to debrief us about 10 months ago in our home. And they said that it's a miracle we ever got out of there alive. They said we should be written up in the Guinness records. And one of the intelligence agencies, whether it was a misstatement or he slipped, said, you know, you all were never supposed to get out of Libya alive. And uh, we are alive, and um, we have been soft-killed by the CIA and other intelligence agencies. We've been blacklisted. Our business has been ruined. Everything we had has been taken from us. And they continue to attack us. And... uh, we cornered Pete uh, Sessions, who's the uh, chairman of the Rules Committee, about the fifth most powerful man in Washington, D.C. We cornered him, had an hour-and-a-half meeting with him. He's a Texas congressman. And he went back to the Defense Intelligence Agency and, val- and verified everything we said was true. We had been blacklisted. We had been soft-killed. We had been financially ruined. Plus, they told him that all the intelligence we provided was 100% accurate. And the way we get that intelligence is we became real close with the tribes of Libya while we were there. And uh, uh, we're the only foreigners they trust. And since August of, of, since September of 2011, till this day, the tribes of Libya have spies in all areas of Libya, and they provide us with all the movements and all the activities of al-Qaeda and Muslim Brotherhood. We have been providing that to the intelligence agencies here. They do nothing with it. Instead of doing anything with it, they attack us. And uh, we have been completely ruined, as I said, from the attacks by the U.S. intelligence agencies, and that was completely validated by Pete Sessions. If any of your your audience would like to call Pete Sessions, his um, uh, aide-de-camp is named Lee Padilla in the Washington, D.C. office, call him. Ask him about the validation they received on everything we're telling you, because what we're telling your audience is so outlandish, it's hard to believe. Believe me, it was hard for us to believe it, and we were seeing it firsthand. When we thought that our government always wore a white hat and we're always trying to protect people, that was just not true. And we saw the destruction of a country by the United States. We saw half a million people killed, and not just killed, murdered, chopped up, burned, violated. I mean, activities that you cannot imagine. We saw U.S. troops on the ground. U.S., France, Qatar, all of them are now admitting they had troops on the ground in Libya. And while this was going on, we were told to believe that that was a a civil uprising. Spontaneous, it was not true at all. Uh, 
concerning Benghazi. We have all the details about every person that was involved in the head of and lead on the attacks in Benghazi that killed Chris Stevens. We know that there was a, a cordon set up five kilometer radius around that place, planned way in advance. We know the names, addresses, and phone numbers of the three coordinators and of the head of that of that attack. We've offered it to the U.S. government. Nobody wants to hear it. Instead, they put out this half-truth document of what happened, yet they've not covered the real problems or the real people. They don't want to arrest the real people that did these activities, I guess because they're employees of the CIA. And uh, there's a $10 million reward from the Secretary of State for information leading to the arrest of the real perpetrators of Benghazi that was put on the table in uh, January a year ago, not even announced until a few weeks ago. And nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to hear the truth about Benghazi. But I can tell you, the people of the United States better wake up because if the government can destroy us, and we were substantial people, we're good people, we're honest people, and for them to destroy us because we saw the truth, Believe me, they can destroy everybody else. Right. Okay, James, if you can just hold that thought, we've got to take our second break. Listeners, today my guests are James and Joanne Moriarty. We're discussing the truth about what really happened in Libya, and we'll be back momentarily on the Truth Seekers radio show. struggle with credit card bills every month, you're not just in debt. Debt is all around you. I see people every day that are on the brink. They're going to go over the edge, and at the bottom is bankruptcy, and we pull them back. At the Debt Helpline, we're experts at helping you resolve your debt problems and become free of debt. We can help you pay off your debt and give you one lower monthly payment that you can afford. You do get to consolidate your payments. You only have to worry about making one payment a month instead of making three or four or five. If you have $5,000, $10,000 or more in credit card bills, call the Debt Helpline now for a free confidential debt analysis. 800-948-6817. 800-948-6817. Call the CESI Debt Helpline right now for a free confidential debt review. 800-948-6817. 800-948-6817. Millions take comfort in God's Word on a daily basis. But what about the ones who cannot hear these precious words of truth? Where would I find hope? Imagine God's Word in the tongue of those who thirst for the same hope you enjoy on a daily basis. You can help them experience the same blessings you take for granted. This book is like a GPS system. I turn to it to chart my course as I begin each new day. Help someone hear God's Word for the first time by becoming a Wycliffe Associates volunteer and take part in the goal of Vision 2025, helping start a Bible translation in every language that needs one by the year 2025. Find out more by calling 800-THE-WORD. Who will show me the way? Make a difference and help share the hope of God's living word. Call 1-800-THE-WORD. That's 800-843-9673. Or go to our website at WycliffeAssociates.org and find out how you can become a Wycliffe Associates volunteer.
Welcome back. You're listening to the Truth Seekers Radio Show. Today, my guests are James and Joanne Moriarty, and we're discussing the truth about what really happened in Libya. And James, could you give us the web address again or how the listeners could contact you if they wanted to find out more about your story? I'll give it to you, Angeline. Okay. It's uh, www.libyanwarthetruth.com. It's all one word, libyanwarthetruth.com. There's also a Facebook page, Libyan War the Truth, that's updated all the time. You can purchase our DVD at, at the website, at the libyanwarthetruth.com. You know, I was just wondering, the perception that you gave us versus the perception that we're fed, you know, on a daily basis with our media and the government, when the regular guy hears your story, what is their reaction? I was just curious about that. You know, it's... It, it's amazing. A lot of them are shocked, but most of them shake their head. Yep, that's right. You would be surprised how many people know deep in their heart what's going on. They really know. They just don't know what they can do about it. Um, the tribes of Libya, that you know, Libya is an 8,000-year-old culture, and they never owned their own country until the, the bloodless coup when they, the tribes put Gaddafi in charge in 1969. And at that time, Gaddafi turned over all the land to the people who were working it as basically slaves for the Italians and other countries that were in there. Before You, you can go back and look at Libya's history. They, got, they were the Greek and the Romans and the Turkish Empire, the Ottoman Empire. Everybody had been in and owned and conquered Libya over the years. So they had a great respect for Gaddafi because he gave them their country. Mm-hmm. But on top of that, The tribes still remain. Their structure still remains. They're a nation of tribes and people that are basically, most of them are related, you know, in some way or shape or form. We went to a lot of the tribal meetings while we were in Tripoli because we knew that the tribes had the power uh, to put together a constitution where the government had basically been burned by the CIA misinformation machine. So we, we spent a lot of time in the tribal meetings. They got to know us real well. We were the only Americans there that weren't CNN or some Western media false information machine over there. After we got out and after the war, after NATO blew it up, they killed Gaddafi and and sort of went away, the tribes contacted us, and most of them are in exile, most of the leaders, and asked us if we would be their official spokesperson for them. And they appointed us as their official spokespersons because they didn't know anybody that could put the truth out for them or that would put the truth out for them because the tribes were not, they were not the political, uh, if you will, arm in Libya that was, that was visible um, to the public or to any news media. So they were trying to put the truth out now of what happened in Libya. And when uh, the 9-11 thing happened in 2012 when Chris Stevens was killed, they gave us a document that, that they we handed over to the U.S. government through uh, different senators and congressmen that said that the tribes of Libya would step up and clean their country of al-Qaeda if the U.S. would just stop supporting al-Qaeda there. And then they would join hands with all the tribes of all the other nations, like the tribes of Egypt, the tribes of, of Tunisia. There's tribes everywhere. They all know each other, the tribes of Kuwait. And they would cleanse the world of radical Islamists because they hate them. And they really, they, they are in more danger from the radical Islamists than we are. So this was given to the U.S. government. There was never anything that ever came back. So we began to try to look for a media source to get the information out. And Dr. Jerome Corsi of WorldNet Daily uh, began to speak to us. And he has put out probably 26 articles now 
with information we provide him through the tribes of Libya. There's been three documents we've brought forth that have been read into the congressional record. One is that Morrissey was uh, the leader, or, or the, if you will, the funder and the organizer of the attack of the Ansar al-Sharia, which is another al-Qaeda group, on Chris Stevens on the compound that night. Another one is a document that is came from Egypt, from the Egyptian embassy, where the Muslim Brotherhood... Yes, yes. Or the U.S. Embassy, I'm sorry, the U.S. Embassy in Egypt, where the Muslim Brotherhood, 14 leaders of the Muslim Brotherhood, collected money from the U.S. government there. Where they have the document with their signatures to the tune of 650000 to 850000 apiece, given to them through the U.S. Embassy in Egypt. Now, those men are on trial now for being traitors to their country because their country was taken back from the radicals, and so they are now on trial, along with... Uh, a media person from the from Al Jazeera who lied, and they're going to start putting media people who lie on trial in Egypt because they are they say these people are causing people to die, and I think that's a, a great path to be on. We need to start doing that here. In doing research on some of the other interviews you you have both given, I heard something about how Gaddafi was trying to organize an African bank with a currency backed by gold. How do you think all that plays into all of this? That's the reason uh, Libya was, one of the reasons, main reasons, Libya had to be taken down. First of all, Libya was not part of any uh, banking organization, not part of the IMF, not part of the World Bank, one of the few countries that was not controlled by the Rothschild group. And they couldn't have that. They had to have, they have to have Libya having some debt or something so they can control it. And Libya didn't have any debt and refused to have any debt. Their currency wasn't traded outside, but they didn't care. They didn't, it didn't make any difference to them. So, uh, you know, the gold-backed dinar for the continent of Africa and Africa having enough resources to support that currency was really a death knell to the fiat bankers. They couldn't have that. I mean, would you would you invest in the U.S. dollar or in a gold-backed currency? Right. You know, it's it's, it's a it's a no-brainer. So basically, we intentionally gave that country over to these radical Muslim terrorists. Absolutely, we blew it up to give it because the people themselves tried to fight. They refused to go quietly into the night, so we killed a half a million of them. How did you know, the, how did the rest of the African countries? by and large, feel about Gaddafi? Most, I would say 90% of the African countries love Gaddafi. If there was any, I'm making that number 90% because I, I don't know 100% of them. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> Gaddafi was huge in the first world activity in Africa. The money and the gifts that he gave and the help that he gave to African nations is unmatched. In fact, some of the Libyans were angry about it. They said he gives too much to Africa. But he was loved by the African people. There's been some beautiful songs written about him since he died by by some African uh, musicians. But Hillary Clinton was over there. We had the occasion to sit with the ambassador from South Africa, H.E. Dangor. He was with us in the Corinthia Hotel in August because everybody left Tripoli. All his staff had left, and he had, had to have uh, certain food and stuff. He had diabetes, so he had moved to the hotel. And he sat with us in the coffee shop a number of times, and we asked him why in the world would South Africa join NATO against Libya? South Africa was one of the biggest friends of Libya. And he said, we had no choice. He said, your Hillary Clinton showed up in our country and told us if we did not support 
NATO's blowing up of Libya that we would probably find rebels in our backyard. And he said it was like this woman had a closet full of rebels that she could just send into anybody's country. I said, well, I think she does. But we also heard the same story from our Kuwaiti people. So this was the mode. This is how they got these countries to step up. They were threatened, all of them. Are you two contacting alternative media or are a lot of the alternative media contacting you now? You know, we, we're on the radio quite often. We do seminars. from We've done them from South Texas all the way up Northern California and back. Um, we're, we're kind of a, a hot potato, you know. The, the, our lives have been threatened by the CIA in our home. The woman's name was Nikki Barakal. Uh, she said that we needed to forget about Libya and start our lives over that day or we wouldn't have a life. I said, that sounds like a threat. She said, you stand down, do exactly what I'm telling you, or you will not have a life. So from that day on, Joanne and I have been going public. Prior to that time, we had been trying to work through the government, all the government entities to provide them with information about al-Qaeda, our enemy. And um, uh, we didn't realize until she told us that we had been blacklisted and soft-killed. And she said, you should be, you should be happy that all we're doing is soft-killing you. And we said, well, what's, what's the alternative? Well, a terminal kill. Terminal kill. And I said, what's that? And she said, you would be picked up and put in a, in a FEMA camp and nobody would ever hear from you again. Wow. So we have been attacked. Not only have we been attacked, but all our business associates, our friends, we've been alienated from everybody. Our kids don't even talk to us. They're afraid that they'll lose their jobs or something. We've had business associates that have been, have been threatened with audits that will take them forever to, to comply with, churches that were going to help us. Because we're now homeless. We have been destroyed, completely destroyed. We live in a room in a, in a home uh, when people invite us and for a few days until they can't uh, stand us anymore, and then we go on to another uh, uh, stranger's home. And, uh, you know, we would like to get our business back in shape. They have killed it. Every time we open the door to try to reinitiate our business, we're shot down. And uh, so, you know, they have attacked us. It's very dangerous for folks get very close to us because then you're subjected to audits and threats and things like that that shouldn't happen in the United States. But, uh, you know, we're we're on a lot of radio shows quite often. Joyce Riley has us on her show a lot. We've been on a lot of, of uh, black uh, radio shows, and you'd be surprised. The blacks here know exactly who Obama is. They know what a good guy Gaddafi was. We've been accepted and brought into the fold. If you would, of the blacks, they say, now you know how we've been persecuted in this country. And, um, you know, we do what we can. God saved us. And the purpose he saved us, we think, is to tell the truth. So that's what we've been doing. Our lives have been threatened two more times in the last three weeks by the intelligence agencies. And, uh, you know, the more people that know about us and the more good people that help us, the only way we're able to support ourselves is we sell our little DVD. It's a three-hour DVD. It's got a complete seminar in it. It's got the interview with Dennis Kucinich, the video that was made from our fact-finding commission. It's over three hours of information you won't our, get any place. Our full presentation is on it. And, you know, any of your folks that, that would like to support us and help us, if they'll please go to our website and buy one of our DVDs. It's, it's well worth the money, and it will absolutely help us. That's how we're able to buy gas and, and uh, food and, and keep our head above water. But uh, it's been devastating to us. We would like to start our business again, but, uh, you know, it's tough when you've got this great big gorilla of the U.S. intelligence agencies 
well, constantly put you know, coming after us. What you find, um, Angeline, is that there are good guys and bad guys, and there are good guys inside the intelligence, but they are pretty much stepped on if they try to do anything. I think they try to work uh, clandestinely, but you know they know what's going on. They absolutely know, and they don't subscribe to it at all, and they are working, to, I think, to try to stop it, but I don't know if they have the power. Right. Um, I wanted to tell you what's happening in Libya now. On the 17th of January, the Libyan tribes went back into Libya, many of them, uh, with, well, I should say that the military part of them, or the people who know how to fight, went back in to take their country back. And there's been nothing about this in the news until today. They're, they're fighting to take their country back. They've been bombed by Qatar using Qatari planes, putting Libyan flags on it. They've been hit with sarin gas in in Tripoli by al-Qaeda because al-Qaeda in Libya is, is a number of different groups. It's al-Qaeda, it's Ansar al-Sharia, it's Libyan Islamic Fighting Group. It's, it, they're all the same. They just have different names. And they're gangs of armed thugs, killers, murderers, psychopaths, if you were. They go around uh, on the streets. They take whatever they want. They rape women. They break into your house if they want to. You, there is no security, no police in Libya now except al-Qaeda. And so they, these tribes are rising up to fight against them, and they use sarin gas against them. Dr. Corsi just released his article last Friday on the sarin gas attack by al-Qaeda on the Libyan civilians. Now, this was a red line in the sand for Obama in Syria, but it's not even being talked about here Today and and they're fighting. They're they're smart this time. They're they're playing a chess game with these people. The GNC, which is the General National Congress, the puppet government that was installed by the U.S. by NATO after they blew up the country. Half of them have resigned and tried to run away now because they know they're they've stolen the country blind. They've looted it. They haven't done anything for anybody, and it's falling. It's failing. So the CIA today. You may have seen this because this is the first Western news to make it. There was a military coup in Libya. Now, there was no military coup in Libya today. There was a man named General Haftar, H-A-F-T-A-R, who defected from Libya in the 1986, was being a spy for uh, a war they had against Chad at that time, and he left and went to Langley, Virginia, where he became a member of the CIA. CIA funded him in a small war to try to take over Libya in 2001, where he lost, and then when the uh, Arabic Spring started, the false Arabic Spring started, they, the CIA brought in Haftar and put him in charge of the NATO uh, al-Qaeda mercenaries. So he's been in the country since the blow-up of it. And he came out today and said that he's against the GNC and he's now claiming the country for the military of Libya. This is all a joke. He hasn't claimed anything, but it is the CIA attempting to put another one of their people in charge. Right. And all the Libyans know it. I just wrote an article on my website about it because the CIA is losing their hold, I think. They they have their own media, if you will, and they put it out to all these media sources. But the people know the game now. Mm-hmm. It's a dirty game, and they understand it. So that's, that's the latest. But the Libyans are working. They will take their country back. They will get rid of all the radical Islamists. They will release the 30,000, 50,000 people who are in jail illegally there and being tortured every day. That will happen because they won't survive unless they do it okay, so that, Joanne. well thank if you could just hold that thought we got our last break and then when we come back we'll get, we'll have a couple minutes to go so listeners today my guest is james and joanne moriarty we're discussing the truth about what really happened in libya and we'll be back momentarily
If you are struggling to pay or haven't been making your student loan payments, listen carefully to this urgent alert. Have you been out of school for 10 or more years and you're still making your student loan payments? Are your student loans past due or even in default? Can't go back to school because of an old student loan problem? Fast Track Student Loans can get your student loans out of default, stop any wage garnishments, stop collection calls, and stop seizure of your tax refund. Give yourself a break. Stop the stress and get your student loan payments down to as little as $25 a month based on what you can afford to pay. One quick 10-minute call could help you solve your student loan problems. So call right now. Not available in all states. Payments may vary based on income. 855-351-FAST. 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 855-351-3278. For thousands of years, people from the Brazilian rainforest have used the Asahi berry for its amazing health benefits. Now we've learned it's also an amazing weight loss supplement. If you're looking to lose 10, 20, maybe even 50 pounds or more, then the Ultimate Asahi Diet may be your solution. The Ultimate Asahi Diet is loaded with pure organic Asahi extract powder and other great herbs like hudia and green tea. You'll burn fat, control your appetite, and get an energy surge like you've never felt before. If you want to lose 10, 20, maybe even 50 pounds, order the Ultimate Asahi Diet right now. We'll even give you a free bottle when you order two, plus give you free shipping. Call Welcome back. You're listening to the Truth Seekers Radio Show. Today, my guests are James and Joanne Moriarty, and we're discussing the truth about what really happened in Libya. So, James and Joanne, I'm just about out of time, but before we go, I just thought this was an important question. I believe I heard you on another interview talking about who owns the passport office in Libya since October 2011. The reason I think it's important is because I believe that you... We're saying that since this has happened, there's been several hundred radical Islamists a month that are being uh, that are entering the U.S. Can you talk a little bit about that before we go? You know, Libya, the the, the radical Islamists now own uh, more than a hundred billion dollars of cash, and they have owned the Al Qaeda has owned the passport office in Libya since October of 2011. And Gaib is the guy's name, absolutely bad, 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 bad man. And uh, they're sending two to three hundred a month minimum radical Islamists in the United States. They're funded with four to five million dollars each. They receive a permanent green card, multiple entry visa, and they're going all over the United States. In addition to that, the al-Nusra, which is al-Qaeda in Syria, there were 30,000 al-Nusra radicals that were flown into the United States in 10 different uh, planes, or, or maybe it was 20 planes. The pilots had to sign a 29-page non-disclosure. They arrived in the United States about six weeks ago from Syria. 
because the attacks on Syria are being proven to be originated by the United States and CIA. And so they extracted 30,000 of those radicals, and now they're here in the United States. So this is a real problem. And if the people don't realize it, this is, this is our own soil. They are bringing these radical Islamists that really have nothing to do with any religion. They're psychopathic murderers. Mm-hmm. And they're here. They're well-funded. They're establishing themselves all over the United States. Once they're here, they bring their families in. And now then we have these, these I don't know how many thousands now here. But this is a travesty. This is something the people of the United States need to wake up. And right. why is our government doing that to us? Right. And I just wanted you to cover that before we had to go today. So I'm about out of time. But listen, I want to thank you both, James and Joanne Moriarty, so much for taking time out of your afternoon to talk to me today. And listeners, thanks for tuning in to the True Seekers radio show. Until next week, God bless. Please pray for us. We need your prayers more than anything. 